Good to be here. I want to say hi to those on the other campuses and watching online. Uh, my name's Francis. I'm a friend of Rick um, and a, uh, a, an admirer of Rick. Um, you guys know your pastor is a freak. Um, he is just, uh, I mean, we talk about him behind his back, other pastors. We talk about how it's just impossible what he does. It's impossible. He, he could possibly be the strongest man I know. Seriously. I, when, when I look at the amount of just feedback he gets, whether it's flattery or criticism or just harsh words, and for him to take it all and respond with the grace that he does and everything else, seriously, I look at that, I go, that's impossible. I, I've tasted maybe a tenth of what he's gone through, and I'm just ready to, to, to call it quits, you know? And I look at this guy, I go, man, he is so, so strong. So it's a total honor for me to be asked to... Uh, to come here during this time in his life, and uh, I want you to know he emailed me just a couple of days ago, and, and his concern was for you. He just says, okay, this is where I think the church, he's just thinking about you. Even during this time, he's going, okay, here's what I think the people need to hear. You know, he goes, I, I think the grieving thing, they, they've gone through it, and, and now it's time to turn a corner. I want to start a new series. I want them thinking about Jesus and, and how much Jesus loves them. I just want them enjoying Jesus. And so I just wrote him back, it's okay. It's okay. I, I got it, I got it. Just go <laughs> take care of yourself. I got your congregation, even though I had no idea what I was going to say to you. Um, <laughs> But I, I was thinking, you know, it, it is. It's crazy times that we're going through right now. And I thought about what Jesus said in, uh, in Luke 21. He talks about how in the end, he talks about the end times, which I don't know about you, but I look at everything in the world and I'm going, it sure it seems very different right now than it has in my whole lifetime. I go, gosh, what a unique time we live in, and, and people are terrified of it. And Jesus even said, during those times in Luke 21, he says, people will be fainting with fear. People will be fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. He goes, this is what's going to happen in the end. You'll see people, they will be terrified. They'll look at the world around, they'll look at the economy, they'll look at all the signs and wonders that God's going to be doing, and they will be terrified. But then he says, a couple verses later, he says, at that time, he goes, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He said, well, everyone else is passing out and terrified about the things that are coming on. That's a time when you, as a follower of me, you just straighten up and you look up because you know your redemption is drawing near. I love that picture. I love that picture of us lifting up our heads and going, you know what, I'm not afraid of this. I'm not afraid of what comes my way because I know what is coming. I know how this story ends. It reminds me of a, a few years ago. Do you remember that TV show, 24? Remember that? I mean, for those who are not familiar, it was, it's about a guy named Jack Bauer, and uh, it's about a 24-hour time period where he saves the world like four times. And, uh, 
And, 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 you know, we don't have cable, and so someone gave us, like, the DVD set of season two, and, and we started watching the show. And it's, it's like this, it's, it's terrible, because every episode ends with this cliffhanger moment, like, what's going to happen? And, and so I'd look at my wife, like, yeah, let's watch the next one, you know? And because you, you can't end there, right? So you got the DVD set, so it's like, oh, you end up at home for 24 hours. And... <laughs> But I'm watching it this, this one time, and there's this episode where um, they, uh, these terrorists, they kidnap the Secretary of Defense and his daughter, who happens to be Jack's girlfriend. Okay, they kidnap the two, and they're at some unknown location, and they're broadcasting to all of America, look, we're about to execute your Secretary of Defense, and you don't even know where we are. We're going to execute them, you know, in public television. Everyone's going to see it. No one knows where they are. The whole country's in a panic. And then Jack finds them, right? I, I knew he would, you know, and uh, he gets these different clues figures out their location, you know, and then and, and he calls in for backup. He calls the headquarters. He goes, hey, I found their location. I need backup. And they say, we'll be there in five minutes. And he says, we don't have five minutes. In five minutes, they'll both be dead. I'm going in alone. And I'm going, no. <laughs> they just showed us how many people are in that room. Don't do it. But Jack, he just goes in, and my heart just starts pounding, right? You, you know, ever watch a show like that where, where he's just taking out one guy? I'm like, no, there's five more, you know? And, and the whole time, my heart is just getting more and more, you know, I'm just getting more and more stressed out. And then the thought occurs to me, this is season two. <laughs> Everyone else is watching season three right now. He's still there with his girlfriend. Everything's going to be fine. He signed a contract for three more seasons. He's going to be around. And so I kept watching, but suddenly it was like, yeah, go ahead, save him. You know, I know what's going to happen. And suddenly it was still fun, you know, to watch. And still there were some ups and downs. But there's a different perspective when you know the next season is coming. And you know everything's going to be fine. And that's the picture that Jesus is giving to us as his followers, saying, look, I know there's going to be ups and downs, but what makes, it, what makes it easier for us is to know that we've got a season three that's coming, right? And we've got a season 300 that's coming and three million that's coming. And so he says, you know, so when those things start to happen, everyone else is passing out, you just look up and go, oh, no, season three is coming, it's happening, it's happening, and, and, and somehow through all of this, there's an ability to even rejoice. Um, I, I, I think of uh, what he says in, in Revelation. I mean, we know the end of the story. We know what's going to happen, and I love Revelation chapter 21. In Revelation 21, verse 1, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I love that. He, he says, come on, let's, let's, let's remember the end. Let's remember how this thing ends. There's going to come a day. I mean, we know there's just something not right about life right now. You know, and, and then there's those of us who we know God, we love God, but there's still something missing in that. We don't see him. He's not just right there in our faces, and we got to do so much by faith. And yet he says, there's going to come a day when it's, it's going to be different. Like some of us will be looking each other in the eyes a hundred years from now. Think about this. Some of us, we're going to be looking at each other a hundred years from now, and it's going to be completely different, though. God will be in our midst, and, and we'll actually fellowship with him, kind of like they did in the garden with Adam and Eve, and it's just like, okay, everything's fine right now. Everything's fine. God's right here. There's no more death. There's no more sickness. You know, this is what he says we have to look forward to, and it's because of that that we can rejoice right now. In fact, Paul commands us in... Philippians 4 is a passage I, I want to talk about today. I know it's familiar to a lot of you. Um, but this is a passage I'm not very good at in my life. When he says, rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. Um, I don't know. I, I look at this passage and understand that this is a command from God, okay? So when God commands something, we take it seriously, right? And he commands us, he says, rejoice. And yet, for so much of my life, I would look at this and i go, that's no command. It just seems too happy to be a command, right? Command is like, don't commit adultery, you know, don't steal, you know, don't kill. And yet, but this is the same force. In fact, he's saying rejoice as a command and, 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 and really, if you look at all the commands in Scripture, there's no other command that's written like this one. He doesn't say, thou shalt not commit adultery. I'll say it again. Do not commit adultery. <laughs> no, but on this one, he reemphasizes. He goes, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Okay, this is a command. Rejoice. You, you know, and, and for me, it, I just go, gosh, I can't take this one that seriously. It's hard for me, and, and I really think that, it, I don't know, I could be wrong on this, but to me, it seems like some people are born with more natural joy. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it seems like there are certain people, that's just a natural disposition to them, like they came out of the womb, <laughs> you know, and, and it's just, and then there's others of us, there's others of us where... We're always focused on problems. Like, I, I think we're just created more like problem solver type people. And so we tend to dwell on what's wrong and how we can fix it. And, and, and I, I don't know, that's just a guess of mine. But it, I, it feels this way to me. Because I remember as a kid, I, you, you know how you have those weird childhood memories? I just remember, even as a kid, I, I just, 
was always focused on the negative and how to fix this and how to fix that and how to change this or change that. I wasn't a naturally happy one. I, I remember certain things from my childhood. I, I remember my aunt. I, I remember every time she would see me, you know, or, or one time specifically, she just looked at me and she just goes, why are you never happy? <laughs> you know? <laughs> You know, and and it's just one of those things that's ingrained in my head. Like, wow, even as a kid, that's what they thought. He just, he never happy, you know. And and I remember this other time, specifically, one time my dad was cooking a fish, you know, and then we cook like the whole fish. We don't waste the head and the eyeballs, everything, you know. And, And I remember just walking by and seeing this fish, you know, and it just had this, this scowl on its face as it's laying there. And I just made a comment like, wow, look how sad that fish looks. And my dad looks at me and he goes, that how you always rook. <laughs> okay, so this is, <laughs> this is what I remember, you know? Like, this is how I was looked at, was this kid who never happy, that how I always rook. You know, I'm just not this happy person. And, and so I look at these verses and I'm going, okay, rejoice, rejoice. Some of you are like me. It doesn't come natural to you. You know, it's just I can find what's wrong with everything and try to fix it. And yet it is something that the Lord has been working with me on over the years. And there has been a new joy this is, this is what the Holy Spirit does in you. He does, he changes you. He gets you to focus on the right things. But in this command, he's saying rejoice. I want you to be a joyful person, rejoicing in the Lord. It's not just, see, the, the thing is, it's not about you're naturally happy and you're just a naturally smiley person. It's, it's like, no, no, no. Because of what we have in the Lord, it changes us. We understand what we have in God. I mean, do you remember what you've been given? Sometimes when, 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 we're, when we say things so often, they, they lose their, uh, their strength, the, the, the power, the emphasis, the, the weight of it. I mean, let's just, let's just for a moment remind ourselves right now of what we have in God. I mean, do you understand that right now in heaven, as we're sitting here on the earth, I'm standing here on this stage, like right now in heaven, there's this being who's sitting on a throne and he's in charge of everything, everything, everything. There's, there's a being up there that right now, he gave me that breath. He gave me another one. Every breath you're taking is a gift from him. He determines, he just gave you another one. It's all up to him. Everything's up to him. This being that the Bible says he dwells in unapproachable light. The Bible describes angels covering themselves up from head to toe with their wings. So they just go, man, we're we're not worthy to be in his presence. We're not worthy to look upon this amazing being. And the Bible says that I, I have a relationship. Like I talk to him. I speak to him. I have the right to come into the presence of him. You know, Revelation 4 talks about lightning and thunder and fire coming from his throne. And he's in charge of everything. And I, and I speak to him. 
and he knows everything that I've done. All the rebellion in my life, some of the things you don't know about that I've done in my past, he knows it, and yet that almighty God, almighty God looked at me and says, I I still love him, I love him so much, I'm gonna have my son, my one and only son. He's gonna die on a cross paying for his crimes because I wanna demonstrate to the whole world that there's no one who loves them like I do. And this God in heaven sends his son to die on a cross for me. He rises from the dead to show, look, I truly am the son of God. Ascends back into heaven and says, look, I'll, I'll give you my spirit. He'll be a seal up until that day when I return for you and take you to that new Jerusalem and have this time where we walk together forever and ever. And the Bible says, okay, rejoice in that. Have you forgotten how good you have it? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Think with me. When's the last time you just, you weren't trying to fix anything, you just rejoiced. You just rejoiced in the Lord. You just told him, you just were just elated to know that God and to speak to him. Next verse, he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Let your reasonableness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. He says, this is, what, this is how I want you to be known. You want, I want you to be known for your reasonableness. And what this means is like when things happen to you, they don't phase you like everyone else. You don't fly off the handle when something goes wrong. There's a sweet reasonableness because you're in this relationship. It's just about being so in love. Do you remember? Like, like I remember when I fell in love with my wife. About 20 years ago, just over 20 years ago, I fell in love with this girl. I mean, I just thought, man, this girl is out of my league. I can't believe she's going out with me. This is unreal, you know? I mean, it was just one of those times where I took a chance and I asked this girl out and I never did that. You know, I always asked their friends first, hey, does she like me? You know, but (laughs) it was just like one of these times where she came as this soloist to this church I was working at and she was gorgeous. She was Miss Teen California and I'm thinking, man, look at her, look at her. she's amazing. She sings this beautiful voice. I go, I'm just gonna go for it. I'm just gonna go for it. You know, I'm losing my hair. I gotta try something. And I just <laughs> went and man, and, and I just couldn't believe we started going out. And then it was like, oh man, it's been a couple weeks. We're still going out. We're still going out. And I just remember I had just bought a brand new, you know, just this gorgeous car, the only nice car I've ever had in my life, this convertible Mustang. And uh, just right before we started going out, and that was so cool. And then I wrecked it. <laughs> I ran into a light pole, um, stupid, you know, in a parking lot by myself. <laughs> You know, but you know, normally that would have devastated me, but because I was in love, you know how it just doesn't matter. Oh, well, I'm going out with Lisa. You know, it's just like, it didn't matter. I, in fact, I was working at a church. The church was splitting. Everyone was fighting. It was horrible, but it was like, oh, I don't care. I'm in love. 
That's the idea here. It's like, oh man, I know what I have in heaven. Like God who determines everything, who made this world, loves me. And so stuff happens. It's like, it's okay, I'm in love. I'm in love. And the world should see this sweet reasonableness in us. Is that what you're known for? Because you're constantly rejoicing in what you have. You're constantly reminding yourself of what God's given you. Then he says in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't be anxious about anything. Another command. Don't worry about anything. It's commanded of you. Don't worry about anything. You worried about something right now? I just wonder, I mean, was there anyone that walked in tonight not worried about anything? Not anxious about a thing? Here's what I'd like you to imagine. What if, let's imagine you actually pulled this off and you didn't worry about anything. Imagine if you did not worry about anything for the rest of your life. Okay, I know you guys are like, God, right? No, but think about this. Let's just, let's just use your imagination. It's going to be tough. Okay, imagine for the rest of your time on earth, you never worried about a thing. Can you imagine how much people would like you? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that be the perfect person to hang out with? Just this reasonableness. You're never worried. The thing we've got to understand is not only is this possible, it's commanded. God wouldn't command this if this wasn't possible. This is what he wants of his children. He goes, I would love it if you guys walked out of here and you just never worried again for the rest of your life because you knew I got things taken care of. And yeah, it's going to go up and down and there will be things in life, but you know how this ends. The Lord is near. It's going to happen. Lift up your heads. Rejoice always. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Everything by prayer. Because just pray about it instead. Don't be anxious. Just pray about it. Just pray about it. Okay? And I I was thinking about this a few years back, and it, it, it was very convicting when I read this passage because I thought to myself, okay, I was pastor of a decent sized church, had people working under me, and, and uh, some of you know that feeling where you've just got some employees under you, or you've got, uh, you know, kids that you, you know, do what you tell them to do. Um, you've got someone that works for you or something. Let me ask you a question. When you give, like one of your employees or kids or whatever, when you give them a task or an assignment, after you give them that assignment, do you worry about it getting done? Like once you say, hey, go, go, go print this off and mail it off to so-and-so. Do in the, you in the back of your mind go, oh, I hope he actually does it. Like do you usually worry after you give an assignment? Sometimes, right? Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. What determines whether or not you worry? Yeah, the person you give the assignment to. Like certain people, you're like, I gotta call them five minutes later, I gotta call them, you know. Other people, you don't worry, right? Because you go, okay, I gave it to her, it's done. It's done, I know. So what's the basis of that? The other person and how trustworthy they were. 
See, that, that's what killed me when I read this. I thought, man, sometimes I pray and I'm still anxious. Sometimes I lift a request up to God and I still worry about it. What does that tell me? It tells me I don't really trust God. I don't really trust that he hears me from heaven because I gave him something. I said, Lord, will you take care of this? And then afterwards I'm going, I wonder if he's really going to do it. I wonder if he's really going to take care of it. Right? He's like an unfaithful employee. I was treating him like that because I would lift a request to God and then I would doubt and I would question and I would be anxious rather than those times when I had a faithful employee and I give him something. I go, okay, that's done. It's off my plate. That's the way God wants us to trust him. He goes, don't be anxious. Just lift it up by prayer and supplication. Just give it to me. He goes, and, and he says, with thanksgiving. May your requests be known to God. With thanksgiving. I think that's the first thing that kind of goes when we're stressed is thanksgiving. People, if you have minds like I do, you're thinking, well, sitting around thanking God for stuff isn't going to accomplish anything. Let me fix this. Let me deal with the problem. I can't just sit around thanking God at a time like this. And he says, no, 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 you you got it all wrong. That's arrogance right there. You think you're going to fix something. He says, you just rejoice in me. You be thankful. You just throw it up to me. I got it. I'll take care of it. Trust me. And he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Imagine the peace of God. He's talking about the peace that belongs to God. Think of God right now. I gave you a little bit of a picture, a little bit of a glimpse. He's sitting on his throne right now. Do you think he's worried about anything? You think God's looking on the earth and going, ooh, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> no, he's sitting there. At peace. He wrote the book of Revelation. He goes, I knew what this was going to happen. I, I knew, he goes, every day of your life was ordained before even one of them came to be. Because I knew the day you are going to be born, the day this was going to end for you. I know everything. Nothing takes me by surprise. So when you're, see, we stress out because we don't have control. But a, a being who has complete control, there's just perfect peace. And he says, that kind of peace can be yours. You can have that kind of peace guarding your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's supernatural to where people go, no way. That's impossible. That is impossible. And yet it's what God wants of his children. And I, but, but you ever have those times where you go, okay, so right now let me think about everything I have in Christ. Let me be thankful for that. Let me lift requests, give it to them, and then not think about it again. Just be a perfect peace. But what's going to happen a couple hours from now? Your mind's going to go back to those problems, right? And that's why the next verse says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. See, there's a battle for your mind and your thoughts. You can dwell on these problems. And yet God says, that's not what I want you to dwell on. 
Those things are beyond your control anyways. Just give them up to me. I heard you. I'll take care of it. It may not be the way you think. It'll be even better. It may not be as easy as you'd like it to be, but I got it. Now let go of that, and now just rejoice in me. Rejoice in me. Just dwell on me. Like he wants his children rejoicing. Like God wants to look down and go, oh, look how happy they are in me. Look at my children up there. Everyone else is stressing out and fainting, but not my kids. Look at them. They're lifting their heads up. They trust my word. They know what's coming. They're looking at that next season and go, that's going to happen any moment. They're so different. Look at how they're just lights to the world. Uh, I'll never forget the time uh, my daughter, my daughter, my oldest daughter, I've got four girls and a, and a boy, um, but my oldest daughter, when she was younger, she, uh, she came home one day and she got an F on a test. Okay, that's unacceptable in my house, okay? There, you, you should never get an F, okay? I, I mean, no Asian should get an F. And she comes home <laughs> and so immediately she goes to my wife, right? And she shows my wife, you know, she shows mom, like, honey, mom, look what happened. I don't want to tell dad. Do I have to tell dad? Do I have to show dad? And, but she, she strikes up, you know, she gets the courage and comes into my room and she's like, dad, I have something to show you. And I, I don't remember how old she was, probably like fourth, fifth grade. And she hands me this test and I'm shocked because she's never done poorly, you know, and an F? And she just looks at me and she goes, what are you going to do to me? <laughs> I'm going to do to you. And I just sit there and I think and, I, and I'm going, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I just looked at her and uh, I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you out to dinner and we're going to go to the movies and then we're going to go out for ice cream and uh, we're just going to celebrate your F. Um, way to go, honey. I, I said, I said, because I want to, I want to show you what grace is about. I go, what grace is, is when we deserve to be punished. And yet instead of punishing us, God blesses us. And I want you to understand this is what God has done in daddy's life. Like I should be destroyed for some of the things I've done in my past. And yet God blessed my life. He forgave me. And not only did he forgive me, but he gave me you, you know, your sister, your mom, you know, just life, you know, the church, all of these friends. It's just, he gives me this and he promises me this amazing future. And that's what grace is about. So I want you to experience that today. Just this once, so don't make this a habit, okay? And so we go out and have an amazing time, but the best part of it was she had told all her friends at school the day before, like, my dad's gonna kill me, my dad's gonna kill me. So the next day she goes to school and she said all her friends came up and like, what did he do, what did he do? So she goes, so I told them, I go, you know, he told me that he wanted to show me grace and what grace means is what God did for us and not punishing us but blessing us and, and so he took me out to dinner wherever I wanted to eat. He took me to any movie I wanted to see. You know, then he took me out for ice cream and just said, we're going to celebrate. 
And she goes, all of my friends were like, oh. she goes, they, they just kept going, I wish I had your dad, you know? And it felt so good, right? It's like, yeah, that's right, you wish I was your dad. You, you know, it, and you guys, you understand that that was such a great moment for me. Like all her friends were envious and wished that I was their dad. This is what God wants of his children. He wants us out there so full of his grace, so rejoicing in him that everyone around us goes, I wish I had your dad. How can you be smiling through this? How can you be rejoicing through this? Are you kidding me? We're about to lose our jobs. And you can say, well, I know how this ends. And I know what God has given me. And I just, I rejoice in that. I dwell on that. I mean, right now, as people look at your life and your forbearing spirit, this reasonableness in you, do they just look and go, I wish I had your God. I want to know your God. Look, I, I'm sharing this stuff with you, but... If I'm honest, there's a little bit of hypocrisy going on up here. Um, It's been a little, it's been a a wrestle in my life the last few weeks, maybe even months, to rejoice. I've let some of the burden and the struggles and just distractions of life keep me from rejoicing in the Lord. In fact, where I caught myself was I, I was uh, I was preaching at the Hollywood Bowl on Easter Sunday, and uh, and so I thought, oh, cool, new crowd, I can recycle an old Easter message, you know, and those are all your best messages. So I'm I'm going through my old Easter messages and I'm reading them, and I'm looking at a couple of them, going, man, that was really good, you know, and I start reading, going, man. Look at some of the things I said. Like there was a conviction there that I saw, you know, while there have been areas in my life that have grown, I noticed I've slipped in some of these areas. And I I was reading this one sermon from years ago where my son was just born. You know, he's seven years old now. And and I'm reading the manuscript going, gosh, I was talking about uh, my son's birth, you know, in front of my church. And I was was talking about how it was so cool because my oldest daughter was in the room. You know, know, me and my wife talked about it. I'm like, well, she's 10. This might be good. She's probably old enough to see. And and it'll probably keep her from messing around. You know, and so (laughs) let's, let's bring her along. And so she's in there, right? And it's just this amazing moment where my son, you know, I had three girls at the time and my son's about to be born and the doctor looks at my oldest daughter and says, hey, would you like to deliver your brother? And she puts on these, you know, goggles and gloves and, and the, the little gown and she's there waiting to deliver my son and she's crying. My 10-year-old daughter's just crying. I like, can't believe what she's witnessing. And I'm looking at my older daughter and, and my son being born and all the emotions of, oh, the boy, it's my boy, the man-child. He's coming out. And I always feeling like, well, we're gonna hunt together. We're gonna kill things, you know, like, 
all of these emotions coming out and I'm describing, I'm reading this manuscript that I preached seven years ago and then I talked about how, how as amazing as that event was, I talked about how it didn't even compare to the intimacy I had with Jesus that week and how much I enjoyed him and how happy I was in him. Like that was a, that was a cool moment but not compared to the times I had with Jesus that day or that week. And I remember those moments. I remember saying that with total integrity, like, man, I love this. I love this relationship with Jesus. He makes me so happy. Yeah, it's cool. My daughter, you know, know, delivered my son. It was a great moment. But man, this Jesus that I'm rejoicing in, and I'm reading this sermon, and it really killed me because I saw wow, what happened to me? I've let some of the burden get to me. I've let the distractions in life and the busyness of life and the pain of life take me away from this relationship with God that I so enjoyed. I mean, it it is awful to confess to you today that I used to love Jesus more. This week is the first time I've said that statement. It's just, I realized... I've slipped in some areas and I've gotten back to some of this problem solving, burdensome mindset and I don't think it's coincidence that Rick asked me to speak about just the love of God and how great it is to follow him and I was even thanking God back there going, God, thank you that I get to talk about rejoicing in you over and over and over this weekend. Thank you that I can just talk about that because maybe as you minister to other people, you'll minister to me at the same time because the phrase that I've been hearing over and over again from the Lord, I believe from Revelation 3.10, there's this phrase, not 3.10, it's just three somewhere. And Revelation 3, where he's talking to the church in Sardis and he makes this statement, he says, strengthen what remains and is about to die. I've been hearing that from the Lord. Just that scripture in my head for the last few weeks, strengthen what remains and is about to die. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Francis, strengthen what remains and is about to die. And and it's very encouraging to me because he's saying, you know, Francis, I know you love me. I know it's in there. I know that you still think, man, I'm the greatest thing, but you're, you're letting all these things pile up on you and it's still there, but you're declining in this area. I see growth in your life. But this one area of rejoicing in me and just enjoying me, it's, it's dwindling, strengthen what remains and is about to die. Okay, get that fired up again. I don't want you stressed out. Rejoice in me. Remind yourself, remind other people what they have in me, that we talk to God Almighty, that he loves us and he forgives us of everything. He's saying, you know, look, I I gave my son to you. I'm putting my spirit in you. Yes, the world, things are crazy right now. But straighten up, lift up your heads, rejoice in me. Because I want you so in love with me, so enjoying me, no stress. So that the world looks on and says, I wish I had your dad. So man, as I speak to you, I'm sure there's some of you that maybe you're in the same boat I am. You look back and go, gosh, I think I enjoyed Jesus more in the past. And let's just turn it around. Let's have this week be a turning point. And let's get back to what we did at first, saying, you know what? Who do I think I am?
Do I really think I'm going to change the world? Is it really up to me to fix everything? Let me just be the good kid that's just rejoicing in the Lord always. Those who have kids, you want your kids stressed out? Or you want them to say, you know what, don't worry. Mom and Dad, we've got it taken care of. You just go play. And that's what God's saying to us. Because, man, stop being so anxious. Stop thinking you're going to fix something. Just be my child. Go, go play. Enjoy my grace. Don't be anxious about it. Just, just give me, just tell me what's wrong. I'll, I'll fix it. And just go back to rejoicing and dwelling on the things that are true, honorable, right, lovely, pure, excellent, praiseworthy. Dwell on these things. In fact, would you just bow your heads right now? And would you just start right now? Don't ask for too much. Just, just for a moment, just start thanking God. Thank God that you get to speak to him. Thank God that he loves you. Just tell him how great he is. God, this week, help those of us in this room that are just problem solvers and want to dwell on the negative, who haven't been taking time to rejoice and enjoy you. Help us just dwell on your goodness. And we have such a reasonable spirit that people would say, I wish I had your God. I wish I knew God like you do. Help us to rest in you, to rejoice in you this week. You're a great God, a wonderful God. And so we lift these requests to you, trusting that you hear us from heaven. And we rest. In Jesus' name, amen.